0: Welcome to the Made Man Project. This is your man DB, transformed from trauma victim into a victor over trauma and your emotional empowerment coach. You are now inside the Made Man Project where every Monday we're bringing you an empowering personal message to dismantle society false into masculinity and change the male narrative. Thanks for coming through today. Manhood is about being present, not perfect. Phil Black. Alright, my guest today is financial coach. TEDx speaker and best selling author, my good friend Rakim Sabri. Rakim's work has been featured in Black Enterprise, Thrive Global, Entrepreneur Media, Yahoo Finance, Authority Magazine, The Grio, and Business Insider. Make sure you share this podcast with others who you think can benefit from it. Just copy and paste the link and also remember to subscribe to the Mainman Project and leave us a rating and review. Alright, let's get it. Hey yo, fellas, we, we made man.
1: We made men. Try to believe that within. I just wanna be a good man. Okay, I know you all, but tell me you a good man. Tell me you're a good man. So many men are being crushed. Societal demands to be tough. Yes, you guess you are enough. Okay. I, just wanna be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, cause you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man. Right beside you, I'm right behind you. I know that life could be hard. No, you're not a coward, you got the power for talking about your scars. No, you're not so. Let me inspire you, empower you be because Society may wanna see you fall. You got another brother to call. So many men are being crushed. Society told the demands to be tough. Yes, you yes you are enough. Don't fluff, okay. I can't relate to you, brother, cause you're a hood man. Yes, you are a man. Hey, hey, I'm here, my brother. I can't relate good to you, brother, because you're
0: a good man. you are a good man. Good man. What's up, family? Welcome back to the Made Men Project. I'm your host, DB, and today I'm bringing on financial coach, Ted Speaker, and best-selling author, my good friend Rakim Sabri. Now, Rakim's work has been featured in Black Enterprise, Thrive Global, Entrepreneur Media, Yahoo Finance, Authority Magazine, The Grio and business insider. And today, Rockin is gonna help me dismantle society's false sense of masculinity because so many men are being crushed under societal demands to be tough, denying the kind of vulnerability, sensitivity, or any internal hurt or pain. And it's time to change that narrative. So listen, it's gonna be a great show with so many things you guys are gonna to to pay attention to. But first, really quickly, if you are a man who knows that you have the potential to do great things, but just don't know how to get from where you are to where you wanna be, Trapped in mental and emotional bondage and being crushed on self-only beliefs and behaviors, it's time to stop struggling with distress, anxiety, self-doubt and fear. And look me up on LinkedIn at DB Empowers and send me a message and we will book your free no pitch clarity call so you can learn about me and my team and if and how we can help you master your emotions and begin maximizing your full potential in the next 60 days. Okay, Rockin', what's up, my man? Welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you doing good, brother? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. That's good. How are man. you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great, man. I'm happy to have you on, man. I see you on Instagram. You're doing so much, brother, bringing so much wisdom to the world through your financial tips, through everything that you're doing, for your books, man. And I just love what you're doing. It made me want to reach out to you, man. I love your story and where you're going. So appreciate you having you on, my man.
2: You know, I appreciate you having me on as well. Yes, sir. Um, and I appreciate all the uh, the shout out and the plug. <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely, brother. Absolutely. So listen, man, I'm going to jump right into it, man. As a child, man, who and what was your example of a man?
2: Oh, man, I had many. Uh, but I would defer to my grandfather and my father mm-hmm. as, as, as definitely the most prominent. Yeah. Um, You know, just to kind of give some backstory, my father was... 18 years old when I was born. So a mm. uh, very young parent. And um, my grandfather really helped kind of bridge the gap between, you know, what is that wisdom mm. um, as a parent? And, and you know, what is that presence as a man? And how does that look? And, and how did he want that to look in terms of legacy mm. building? Mm. Um, and so oftentimes, when I tell stories about, you know, my insights and how that was shaped by my grandfather's influence, it's kind of like reflecting back to those days where he was like, one day, you know, you're gonna be in the driver's seat and uh, his lessons resonate with me. You know, they'll, they will resonate with me for the rest of my life, but they resonate with me very hard um, as I enter deeper into manhood.
0: Hey man, real quick, I, I'm not gonna lie, you already got me feeling a little emotional right now. i am My eyes starting to sweat a little bit because that bond here with the granddad <laughs> My granddad was like my father. You know, my father was in and out of my life. And at the age of 14, I found a whole new appreciation for my granddad. We got really close from 14 up until the day he died in 2013. And my granddad was my rock. He was my dad. He called me son. I always called him Pop, Pop or Pop. But that was like my father. It was a lesson. The things that he gave me, man, carried me and propelled me through life. And I still reflect on them to this day. So I definitely feel you there, man. Yeah. Have me think about my granddad for a minute, man. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you run up some good points, man. So being that, seeing that legacy, seeing the things your granddad gave you, when you were younger, what did being a man mean to you? What did that look like for you, that presence? What did that feel like to you? What was that What was that like for you?
2: It's a hard question to answer, I think, because uh, I don't have any knowledge of anything else. You know, he um, Mm -hmm. he was always there in the background. Um, I can tell you as an adult with him not being physically present Mm -hmm. that I can appreciate his presence growing up as a child better. Mm -hmm. Um, We are not a very traditional family. Mm -hmm. Um, My grandfather was very. Very. he he emphasized the importance of understanding culture,
1: mm. understanding
2: history, um, understanding spirituality, and viewing the world from uh, three degrees: spiritual, mental, and physical uh, cultural awareness. And so, when when we would look at a problem or we would look at um, just an observation, the question was, you know, looking at it from those three angles: well, what is the spiritual meaning of this? What's the mental? psychological meaning of this what's the physical meaning of this and you know how do you challenge what it is that you are being given right don't accept anything not even what it is that he was sharing with us so mm. as i transitioned into adulthood i had to reinspect the things that i was taught and that i accepted as tradition or that i accepted as values Um, And determine for myself, is that something that I want to carry on into my adulthood? And he gave us that latitude. Um, It wasn't just kind of like, do as I say, not as I do. And so there's a Mm -hmm. lot of reverence on my end towards him for the example that he set. um, And for the change, really, that he made. My grandfather, and I don't go into details um, frequently, but my grandfather um, changed his last name. So I'm actually a third generation of the Sabri name. And so there's a lot of pride with with that for me, um, you know, kind of pioneering, right, the name,
3: yeah. but
2: also understanding the history of why the change, right, understanding what it was that his vision was. Um, he wanted to create um, a template for us to follow generations into the future. Um, and and I, I feel like he's been pretty successful with that. I mean, I strive to make sure that he's successful with that. And so we talk about loss, right? And we talk about him not being physically present. Mm. Um, I feel his presence every day through the work that I do, through the work that my, you know, my brother does, my brothers do, and the other family that we have, um, carrying on the legacy of the name. Even if we challenge things that were established as, you know, status quo, right? Like we challenge tradition that we, you know, started to implement or we challenge mm. um, just mindset and approaches to, to life, Um, you know he he used to say that your your job as a child is to do better than Mm. your parents, Mm. and so um, that's the goal. (laughs) That's that's what I work towards every day.
0: Absolutely, man. So share a little bit about your story, brother. How did you get from you know where you were to the point you're at right now, man? With being so influential in the financial market and helping people and things like that, how did you get to this point, man?
2: Um, I'll I'll stay on the vein of my grandfather since we're invoking him this morning. Uh, <laughs> um, because I think that there's a lot in the foundation that he helped to provide mm-hmm. that has shaped where I am today. Yeah. Uh, my grandfather would tell me that I was great every day, would tell mm-hmm. me that I was a genius every day. Um, when we would ask him questions, his response frequently was, what does your brain tell you? Um, and so he would force us to uh, critical think at a young age. Uh, he exposed mm-hmm. us to texts that most adults, um, you know, encounter in adulthood, from you know religious texts, political texts, uh, historic texts, mm. and he would have us read these texts out loud, and then give our interpretation of what it is that he that we read.
3: Mm.
2: And um, I realized the wisdom in his doing that was in his non, um, uh, his his lack of criticism, right? So whatever our interpretation was, was our interpretation. he didn't say, oh, you know, you're inter- you're interpreting that wrong. He just wanted to hear us flex that, you know, that critical thinking muscle. And so as I you know navigated through school and um you know early elementary, middle school, high school, college, the um area that I scored the highest in all the time was critical thinking. Yeah. Um, especially oh. in comparison to my peers, because that was just an exercise that was emphasized as we were growing up. Um, and with that, he also instilled in me a limitless mindset. And I think this is you know, directly answering your question. Um, as I started to learn more about what was possible financially, getting out of the environment that I had grew up in, um, being exposed to concepts, people, accomplishments, I decided that those were things that I wanted for myself. And Mm -hmm. so in deciding that those were things that I wanted for myself, um, I didn't have any hangups about going after it because I already had been instilled with that limitless mindset, right? Like, if you want it, go get it. You could do anything that you put your mind to. I think a lot of parents say that to their children, but I don't know that a lot of children are bought into it. Um, But we certainly, um, I certainly did buy into it. And so um, I started a career in banking at 21 years old. Mm. Um, I learned by osmosis a lot of you know financial products how to sell those financial products how to offer those financial products to augment whatever somebody's current financial situation is and how to um, you know offer those products in order to improve their financial situation on the other side of that um, kind of removing the sales and the product I became consumed with learning financial literacy Mm. so Um, understanding how people create businesses, create systems, understanding entrepreneurship, understanding credit, understanding, you know, debt, investing, saving. And as I learned more and more and more, I I became excited, right? Like I wanted to share this with everybody that I would talk to. And what I would find is that my peers and even, you know, older family members couldn't relate to what I was talking to because Mm -hmm. they didn't know. Yeah. And so um, my mission shifted quickly from uh, personal enrichment or a desire to understand financial literacy for myself to wanting to share that with other people, because I realized there was such an appetite for that and that there was such a lack of knowledge when it came to navigating personal finance, particularly in black communities.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and then that's just really where I started building, um, you know, what it is that I offer uh, talking about the different things that I talk about, challenging people's views about money, because I think our biggest hang up as a community when it comes to personal finance is not so much in what we can command, but what we believe first of all, is possible um, for ourselves, but also um, what we what our mentality is as a release to money, right? We have this we hold on to this mentality that um, the acquisition of money is is evil. Right. That, you know, we can't go out and desire money or that if we go out and you do end up wealthy, that you had to sell your soul or join the Illuminati or do something, you know, crazy right. Right. in order to do that. And so um, my mission indirectly is to demonstrate wealth building from a position of, first of all, legal activity. Right. So I'm not doing anything mm-hmm. wrong or dishonest or unethical, mm-hmm. but also doing. Um, that there's no overnight success, right? It's not instant gratification. It's a slow burn. It's consistency. It's discipline, but also that is possible. So I'm sure there's people out there who believe that, you know, there's millionaires and there's billionaires in the world, but that's not for them or that they won't touch that money. And, um, and I want to kind of break all those myths and say, Hey, like, if this is what you want, like go get it, you could do it. I did it. I'm doing it. And, um, I think what makes me unique in this niche, if you will, is that I am talking from a place of uh, progress Mm. and not from a place of having arrived, right? So I can still connect to people and saying like, yeah, I'm struggling too. Like I'm paying down debt. Um, You know, my credit score was at this point, now it's here. Um, You know, this is my income. I struggle with paying bills. I have to prioritize what bills I want to pay. But on the flip side, these are my successes, right? I bought a house, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, I have a great credit. I, um, I'm invested in the stock market. I've invested in real estate. Like these are things that you can do too. And I find a lot of success in that because people resonate with that message and they're like, oh, okay, he did it. I'm inspired to do it too. And so, um, really that's kind of the foundation for my writing, uh, financially responsible, um, to get people to look at money differently and become encouraged to to own their own path as it relates to personal finance. That's,
0: that's, that's dope. I love the fact that you're doing it from, out from a position of progress. You're showing your journey because a lot of times what you do see when it comes to success, you see the top of it. You see the tip right. of the iceberg. You don't see everything underneath the, the Like you said, the slow burn, the grind, the, the scratching and crawling to get there, the discipline that it takes to get there every single day. So talk to me about that part of it. Talk to me about what was the what was the hardest part for you, the most challenging thing for you doing your journey or as you're going through your journey?
2: Um I it's funny. I I was asked this question recently, and I'll answer it the way that I answered it previously, but I'll answer it in another way as well. Um so I recently shared a post on Instagram uh, about me entering a hundred thousand dollar club, right? in my investment. So I show a. Uh, a Mm -hmm. snapshot of cumulative investment balances with a brokerage that I use. Mm -hmm. And I was a little hesitant to do that because I was like, man, like this is real transparent, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm showing people my money, like my personal money.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And, um, and I'm always conscious about sharing accomplishments on an open forum, like social media, because then you open yourself up to criticism. You open yourself up to envy. You open yourself up to, you know, backbiting and, and, Mm -hmm. all manner of you know Mm -hmm. jealous behavior right but then you also you're creating a path right for somebody or inspiration for somebody's to see and say wow like he did that Mm -hmm. and so when I make those decisions I, I have to weigh the pros and the cons in that situation and say well you know what is the worst thing that can happen to me based off of sharing this information um And is this a risk that I wanna take, right? And sharing, being as transparent as I am with the general public. So I think to answer your question, the way that I answered this question previously was the hardest part for me is is being vulnerable um, on a public display and allowing people to see um, where I'm at, right? Because I can, you know, I can, with my credit score alone, walk into you know any car dealership, test drive, whatever car I want to, take pictures in front of it, post it on social media and be like, hey, yeah, I got this car, right? I can fake the funk on social media, which a lot of people do. Um, and people will believe like, oh, you know, Rakim is wealthy or Rakim has more money than he does. But for me to show what my credit score is at a particular point in time or what my credit limit is at a particular point in time or what my balance is, look like at a particular point in time. Well, then that opens me and say, oh, well, Rakim doesn't have that much money, right? Or Rakim has some more money than I've ever saved. And so um, it's just, it creates conversation and uh, for, it's important for me to maintain just kind of like this attitude of keeping the noise out, especially the negative noise, mm. um, because then I could either be encouraged or discouraged from continuing that path. Yeah. And my mission is empowerment for other people. So, you know, how do you cut through all the weeds? right? And how do you cut through, you know, all the haters, so to speak, um, and get to, you know, what the mission is? Um, The second way that I'll answer that question is that I'm human, right? I'm human. I'm 30 years old. I did not come from wealth. A lot of the things that I'm executing on or that I have learned are things that I'm learning as I go. And so I might make a statement or I might take an action at a particular point in my life, that is not the quote-unquote right way to do something Um, and then you have to kind of deal with the consequences of that and because there's so many people now who know who I am and who look at what I say I have to be careful about what I endorse or how I um, encourage people to move when it comes to making decisions around their money so I'm very careful with the language that I use I often throw up disclosures and saying like you know I'm not a licensed investment advisor like I'm not telling you what to do I'm telling you what I do yeah yeah. um but I've made mistakes I mean I have a ton of credit card debt that I'm paying Mm. down Mm. but I also have a ton of credit um and so the lesson in that situation for me is how do you manage credit effectively you know my credit score is high 700s um at one point in time was in the 800s yeah uh, i have a lot of credit available to me but like i said i have a lot of debt yeah. and so people see the they see the good parts of what you do or they see um the moments that you want to celebrate but people are not as um quick to be forthcoming about their struggles there's you know there's weeks or months where i'm just like man how am i going to pay my mortgage and then all of these expenses how am i allocating xyz dollars towards debt out of my paycheck and i'm not able to allocate that same amount or even close to what i want into investments or things that i want there sacrifices there's um mental and emotional challenges as well right you experience depression you experience joy you experience you know excitement you experience anxiety there's times when i'm highly productive and there's times where i don't want to do anything i just want to sit on a couch and you know fudge out watching uh, Netflix or something. So um, I, don't, I don't want to be overly vulnerable in my journey so that, um, you know, people can take advantage of that or just to have my life on display. You know, like this is not reality TV, but at the same time, I wanna be vulnerable and transparent enough that people can um, acknowledge the humanity in me um, and balancing that is difficult for sure.
0: Wow, that's dope, because that, that's a segue into the next question that I was going to ask you, like, if I throw out these two terms to you, what does that really mean, vulnerability and transparency, and you're talking about that right now, and you put it in such a great way, man, that's, that's huge. But the, the thing that stuck to me the most about what you said, and I hope people really grabbed this part of understanding that as successful as you are right now, you still have challenges you still have struggles and you're able to talk about them and be vulnerable and show because the thing about it is and one of the most important messages I I, I give out to men and the clients that I work with is you don't have to suffer in silence and isolation. You don't have to be ashamed of the struggles that you're having, asking for help or speaking to some of your issues because we all have challenges. We all have issues. We all go through things and we got to stop you got to break that stigma and, 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 and you know, that, that, you know, because you struggle because you're challenges something's something wrong or, you know, you're not a success or you you know, you're just a constant failure. So it also comes into that mindset piece you've been talking about, but that's, that's very powerful, man. Now I heard you speak a lot about thinking, critical thinking, and you know, your, your, your grandfather taught you guys from like a, I call it a three prong level, you know, mental, spiritual, physical, let's get into the emotional part of it. Like, how how did you deal with emotion as a child, or how like was that a it was how was emotion expressed in your family when you were growing up?
2: Uh, it wasn't, and mm. um, uh, you just brought back a fond memory. My grandfather used to call me um, and my father uh, Doctor Spock. Mm. Uh, he was a big Star Trek fan. Yeah, and. Uh, I didn't know what that meant when I was growing up (laughs) because I didn't watch Star Trek, but um, when I did start to watch Star Trek, I understood how Spock was, like, he was very logical. Um, He didn't understand human emotion. And uh, I was very, growing up, I was very, um, very much on the logical side. Like I,
3: Mm.
2: I, Not that I didn't understand emotion or that I didn't experience emotion because, right, like I'm human, but for me, it was just more practical. And I don't think I was thinking in those terms as a child, but I know that that was the outward appearance, right? Like I have a really good poker face. It's difficult for people to understand what's happening internally for me unless I tell them Um, or unless they know me and then they can observe my behavior. Mm. But I spent a lot of time training myself during that period of time because I thought that was the right thing to do, right? Don't show vulnerability. Um, Mm. Don't, don't, be emotional in your response. Think about you know how this is going to impact. What's the ripple effect? And often when I am um, when I'm mentoring or I'm educating on any topic, financial or otherwise, the the area that I like to focus is focus on is the and then what right? So I'm um, especially dealing with young men who are charged right. Like you know they're either angry or passionate or just full of energy, and um, particularly in the street there's mm-hmm. like this aggression, right? And they want to exert that ag- aggression and they want to exert that dominance. And so it's, you know, oh, you know, I'll go fight that person or I'll go punch that person or I'll go do this. And I'm like, okay,
0: mm-hmm. and then what? And then,
2: right. And so, you know, the, and then what as a part of my thought process is what will prevent me from taking action because I'm like, okay, well then after that, I have to deal with the consequences of that action. Whereas I think a lot of young men are not looking at, Dealing with the consequences and then they have to face it and they're like okay like if um I'll, I'll give a recent example i was in a restaurant and i'm talking about where i'm positioned in the restaurant versus the door mm-hmm. and i'm i'm talking to the individual that i'm with and i'm like so how would you get out of here like have you paid attention to where the exits are I personally don't sit with my um, back to the entrance or the exit when I go into a restaurant. um, That was how I was trained. Mm -hmm. So I'm paying attention to the entrance and the exit. I'm paying attention to how, what's the quickest route for me to get to the exit? Mm -hmm. If somebody came in and started acting crazy, how am I going to get there? What am I going to do? Um, And I'm thinking about all of, you know, two, three steps ahead. Mm -hmm. And so in asking those questions, I, I uncovered, that they didn't think about this like well I don't you know I don't usually think about that and I'm like yeah I don't know yeah you know most most people don't and 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 they don't in so many situations and um I think it's important especially now especially now where um you know black men are are being targeted um and and I don't think that this is is new but it's 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 exposed yeah. now to yeah. a greater degree. Yeah. Black men are being targeted. Black men are um, not given the benefit of the doubt. We are guilty until proven innocent. And so you could be completely innocent, but in the wrong place at the right time. And now you're in trouble. So you have to think about your movements before you make them. And, um, my father and grandfather are big Godfather fans as well. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene from the Godfather where um, I believe it's Mike, uh, Michael Corleone uh, played by Al Pacino Mm -hmm. is saying, um, men don't have the luxury of being careless. Mm -hmm. Women and children do, Mm -hmm. but men don't have the luxury of being careless. And that was a lesson that was kind of drilled into us growing up. Um, You know, you have to make decisions and you can't be careless about those decisions. So uh, going back to answering your question, I was raised in a very like militant mm. environment when it came to interacting with the man, right? Like if I did something wrong, my punishment was I have to do pushups, right? And then I have to sit in the pushup position and ask for permission to get up. And then I have to explain what it is that I did wrong and what it is that I learned from that experience. Mm. Um, there was a lot of yes sirs, no sirs. Um, there was just very... Um, just very strict, regimented uh, environment. And so there was not a lot of focus on the emotional part. Um, I had to learn later in life um, as I, you know, got into my teenage years and I started dating and um, hanging out with friends. I had to learn how to like pull back from that rigid kind of like Spock exterior and start to express vulnerability. So now I'm very intentional about, sharing my vulnerability or mm. um expressing my right. feelings but i think where i'm advantaged over a lot of people is that i have the ability to logically put together the words
3: right. to say right.
2: well this is how i'm feeling because yeah. of all the training instead of like i'm angry and i don't know what to do so i'm just gonna scream or i'm angry and i don't know what to do so i'm just gonna punch a wall mm. um, i have the ability to say okay well that's not practical so what is practical in a situation The practicality is in being able to phrase how it is that I'm feeling um, and either de-escalate a situation or explain why I'm removing myself from a situation.
0: Yeah, use your feelings to inform your thoughts, man. That's powerful, brother. I I like that, man. What is one piece you would give men today about masculinity? What's one piece of advice you would give men today about masculinity?
2: Mm, um, So the term toxic masculinity is tossed around quite a lot. Yeah. And um and I have mixed feelings on the term because I understand
0: yeah, that's how
2: it's become how it's become co-opted, right?
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I think that there is a perception around masculinity that is toxic mm-hmm. um that we hold on to, but I don't think that masculinity in and of itself is toxic toxic. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. the lesson that I would share is that um balance. Is important mm. right
3: mm.
2: so my grandfather talks about um within all things there's balance and particularly men there is a feminine energy and there's a masculine energy and so understanding where those energies exist and understanding how to have balance in those energies is how you know really you um you actualize as a man right um and and i can go further and, and give an example we look at um the energy of nurturing right um so if a man becomes a father or a a provider of a household Mm
3: -hmm. there's
2: an element of nurturing that's involved right that makes you non uh robotic that makes you not being spot so when you hold your child for the first time or um when you hug your wife there's a there's a nurturing element and that energy is a feminine energy it doesn't mean that it's wrong doesn't mean that
3: Mm. that makes
2: you feminine um it's a feminine energy, it's a soft energy right um but then you have the grind mode I got to get up and I got to be the first person up and I got to be the last person to go to bed and I got to make sure that you know the security system is armed and if you don't have a security system that you know I'm doing what I can to make sure that my family is safe and you're not looking from a place of emotion or um, you're just you're, you're being very logical. You're, you're tapping into that spot. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. That's a
2: masculine energy.
3: Yeah.
2: And so, um, you know, the overindulgence of one or the other is going to be unhealthy regardless. But I think um, when we hear the term, when men hear the term feminine, they automatically think, no. And um, and I would encourage men to embrace that um, that energy um, because that's part of who you are. That's part of uh, what makes you human. That's you know that's the yin and the yang, right? And um, I, there's so much into that that I can I can keep going. But uh, right.
3: Right.
2: I think understanding like that Eastern philosophy of balance, that mm-hmm. Eastern philosophy of yin and yang, understanding the soft versus the hard, and when it's appropriate for both, right? um I, I'll I'll be very transparent and vulnerable at the same time and say that my um upbringing with my father was very void of um I'll use the word intimacy right mm. and so as a 30 year old man now my dad is approaching 50 we spend a lot of time talking about where we are today
3: yeah.
2: versus where we were back then and you know
3: mm-hmm.
2: back then I was just like oh my dad is just like this like militant dictator right like yeah, he just yeah. push-ups and you know he just everything was just so hard right yeah. and now like my dad is like my biggest fan right when we're talking about anything any accomplishment um he's the first person to share it like it took me up like we'll mm-hmm. spend hours and hours and hours talking about how great I am or how proud mm-hmm. he is of my accomplishments mm-hmm. and I think in the beginning of that there was um a little bit of resentment right because I'm like damn where was this when I was growing up
3: yeah but yeah. at the
2: same time it's like damn i get to really appreciate the bond and and mm-hmm. and create a bond around um what is being accomplished and you you get to remove the emotion of mistakes that were made or um what my report card of him at 10 years old 12 years old 15 years old was and say okay you know he's a human being right like i'm 30 now I realized that at 30, I don't think that I could have. uh, I mean, I I can't imagine having kids right now. (laughs) And by the time he was 30, he had three. So it's like, how are you, how are you holding it down financially? Like what was your mental when you were um, having to go work and provide and be there for your children? Uh, What were your fears about your children growing up? Um, Every time I have a birthday, my dad tells me that, um, he reflects back to what he was thinking at that age. And um, before 30, he um, he would tell me that he did not think that he personally would live that long. And so for him to see me reach those ages and to know that I've never not considered being able to live to 30. I've never, you know, I was never fearful of not being alive to 25, 21 Um, I've always just like, oh yeah, you know, life is abundant. I'm going to live as long as my natural life allows for me to. He views that as a blessing. And so I see, um, I see now the humanity in him. We have, um, established a friendship in addition to the parenting relationship that I find to be very valuable. Um, and you know, a lot of the posts that I share that end up going viral, are from conversations that we had. So I get to appreciate him as a man as well. Um and I think that's because as he matured and grew, um, he was able to embrace both sides of it.
0: Wow. That's awesome, man. That is amazing. right you guys are at that point right now in your life where it's a different type of conversation, man. That is awesome. Um just real quick I want to touch on some things that you do, man, for self-care, man. Not, not, Talk with men about that all the time, man. We, we have to be able to manage the, the the demands from our personal, professional lives. So how do we manage that stress? So what are some things you do to practice self-care?
2: Uh, I do a couple of things. I think uh, first and foremost, I have a really good support system. Mm-hmm. And um, as I shared earlier, I'm really good at articulating yeah. you know, how I'm feeling and what I need. So my um, my friends and family, if I come to them and I'm like, hey, I'm feeling real beat up today. I need this specifically. It's not a guessing game, right? So, um, they're quicker to action for me, um, and they're and I'm aware of the fact that they're willing to uh, to be there in the way that I need them to be there. I think that that's first and foremost um, having a support system and and not being afraid to use that support system. Mm-hmm. Um, I practice kung fu, although I've been um, I've been not doing it much lately due to COVID. But I practice kung fu, and like I said, you know, heavy influence with Eastern philosophies growing up, and, yes. and certainly um, martial arts was something that was underscored as uh, as I was growing up as well. So um, I like kung fu because it's kind of like the bridge, right, between physicality um, and spirituality. Um, and and the part, the kung fu that I practice in particular, Wing Chun, is very oh, cerebral.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, it's not. Um, you know let me overpower you it's uh it's it's very like okay well, let me find ways to expend the least amount of energy in the most effective way and so being able to take wing chun principles and and bring them into real life is also a strategy around self care you know i like to work smarter not harder um understanding my limits uh in terms of just if i'm feeling burnt out then i need to listen to myself yeah, uh, yeah. That I think some people, like, people glorify the grind, and they glorify it to the to the degree that they are doing themselves harm in order to say, well, you know, I'm on my grind 24 seven. Like I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But I realize yeah, I'm not good to anybody or for anybody, especially yeah. myself. If yeah. I'm not not no, good,
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely.
2: Um, I read. I listen to music um, and, I, and self-care is definitely a intimate topic for me because I've struggled with depression. I've struggled with anxiety. I still struggle with anxiety. I'm an overthinker. So I'll anticipate, like I said, this is the bad side of it. I'll anticipate two and three steps ahead, an issue that is not even an issue yet, yeah. um, but that I perceive as being an issue because I'm already into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of times I have to be talked off of a ledge. Um, not literally, <laughs> but I have to like, me. have to be talked down. I have to, you know, I have to, you know, say, Hey, it didn't happen. Yeah. This may not even be a real issue. Yeah. You're exaggerating. Yeah. Um, And because I've been there and I know kind of the depths of what the ugly parts of depression look like, I'm very in tune with what triggers me. If, if some, if I start to feel a certain way or um behave a certain way i start to notice them deviating from certain routines or um you know just warning signs right and red flags that i've learned and they look different for everybody so i can't tell you or anybody else what that's going to look like individually but when i start to pick up on those things i'm like all right cool like i need to maybe make a change i need to go out for a walk i need to change my environment Um, there's days when i wake up and i'm just like today's not it and uh, I might put on some music that that I'm like that will get me moving, make me feel good and, you know, dance around the house like I'm I'm very much not afraid to be me, especially in, in my own presence. Yeah. And I think that's key to self-care. Um, you know, you can throw money at getting a haircut. You can throw money at massages. You could throw money at uh, retail therapy. But I don't think that that really um, works on what's happening internally. I think it's just kind of like, it feels good for the moment. Um, And so you get that dopamine hit, but then now you got to still wrestle with your thoughts. So for me, self-care is definitely like going inward and figuring out, again, where there's an imbalance and how do I rebalance that or realign that.
0: Yo, that is is great, man. That's awesome. And I think you brought up a very good point when you talked about the red flags one of the things I do, which was very critical for me and myself, I had to identify what my triggers like are. That was the first step, identifying, okay, what, what are some things that I, I have to look for that I know that I'm not right, that things are off balance, that I don't have what I need, I'm, I'm, I don't have that inner peace and calm right now. So once I was able to identify those triggers, then I was able to come up with my coping skills. With them. I was able to come up with the things that I do that bring me joy, that can help me, you know, better manage these overwhelming and distressing thoughts and feelings that I'm dealing with right now. So that's that's critical, man, I love that, man. I like how you said also, that you can't tell somebody else what their red flags are, only they, only they know what their red flags are, man. So right. that's critical. <laughs> so, hey man, last question brother. I wanna ask you, man, and um, I know you think about it because the word came up earlier, but what type of legacy are you leaving in this world? Or how do you wanna be remembered when it's all said and done?
2: question um i think i struggle with this sometimes because you want to be an individual but you also have to realize that you are a part of like the whole right and the whole can be different depending on your angle like the whole can be my generation the whole can be um you know everybody that carries my last name the whole can be humanity as a whole right and so um i I read something recently that was talking about death actually Mm -hmm. and it said that human beings take death personally Mm -hmm. and and you know like it's a it's a thing against you i don't want to die it's a thing (laughs) against you yeah um and not realize that you know nothing in the whole world in life especially you know living things last forever and it's just like the cycle of you know what is this cosmic energy right we're all a part of each other and you know there's our sunrise and our sunset and that's a difficult concept um to embrace uh especially when you know your ego is so invested in mm-hmm. what we're talking about right like leaving a legacy like i want to be remembered for whatever and realizing that sure, the work that you do can influence and impact the people around you. Um, The work that you can do can impact maybe the world over, right, you look at people like Muhammad Ali, you look at people like Beyonce, you look at Michael Jackson, you know, these are people that are well known around the world for the work that they've done. And um, there's ripple effects from the work that they've done in the lives of people. And so I think um, I would like to be that big at some point but I also think that I you know I have to embrace and be taking my ego out of it that I'm just another person as a you know part of the whole um but without being so abstract with my answer right um I think legacy for me is just kind of continuing on my grandfather's work my father's work yeah. um, I would like to see people continue on my work and so mm. hopefully I do a good enough job That somebody decides they want to pick up that mantle and 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 continue doing that, Um, you know, I think there's a difference between being an influencer, right? Online, social media, you have a bunch of followers, you have a bunch of people who Mm -hmm. are seeing what you put out there, and maybe they're sharing it or they're taking it and they're using it to create their own whatever. Um, And actually being an influencer in life, like, you know, what is the difference that you have made? in somebody's life by waking up in the morning Um, and I reflect on that frequently Um, whether they're connected to me by blood or not um, you know what are people going to think about me when I'm not here anymore Um, are people going to view me as being selfish are people going to view me as um, you know being arrogant are people going to view me as being willing to help um, and share and you know appreciate my transparency and my vulnerability um, are they going to appreciate my mission
3: yeah
2: uh, are people just looking to use you for what you can do for them or are they genuinely invested in your relationship and so um, I, I think uh sign i guess if you will um in terms of you know that compass as to whether or not i'm doing a good job is you know when i think about if I were not to wake up this morning or if I were to go to bed tonight and not wake up tomorrow morning, would I be satisfied with the person that I am? Mm -hmm. Would I be satisfied with what I've done to this point? Or do I feel like there's more work for me to do? And I think, um, I know that I'm very happy with the person that I am. I don't, I'm sure that I'm a bad guy in somebody's story, but as much as I've tried, I mean, as much as I have, um, I have tried to not be a bad person um, I strive to put others' needs before my own, um, sometimes to my detriment.
3: Mm-hmm. I,
2: um, I, I just, I want to be a good person. I want to make a difference in people's lives. I want to add value. I want to better myself for the betterment of other people. And so I'm very much, um, I'm very much not selfish in that, right? But I think, you know, like I said, going back to ego, it's still, it's still rooted in the fact that I want to make a difference in this world. And uh, it's, it's, I guess it's a hard kind of like balance to strike, right? Because to some degree, you have to have ego. But, you know, in having that ego, you're certainly taking things personally. I don't know that I would be happy if I woke up, <laughs> if I didn't wake up tomorrow morning, right? And I'm just like, yeah. damn, like, yeah. I wanted to do this. I wanted yeah, to do yeah. this. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Hey, brother, that's 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 very deep, man. I want to say, man, I truly appreciate you being on here, brother. I truly appreciate your transparency and vulnerability, brother. You are a made man. You are motivated. You are accessible. You are disciplined. And you're very expressive, man. And I appreciate everything that you're doing. Let people know what the names of your books are and where they can reach you at, brother.
2: People can reach me on my website at rockinsabree.com. So it's R-A-H-K-I-M-S-A-B-R-E-E.com. Um, on my website, there's access to everything: um, mm-hmm. articles that I've written, interviews, um, my books "Financially Irresponsible" and "Mentorship: The Playbook" are available. Um, I'm actually working on a workbook right now, so that um, that will be up there soon. Um, my Instagram handle is my name. My Twitter handle is my name. LinkedIn is my name. You know, anywhere you you want to find me is my name. And uh, yeah, that's it.
0: Hey brother, man, I truly appreciate you. Looked his brother up, man, for your financial literacy needs. He's doing great things out here, and once again, he is a made man. So I would truly appreciate you for coming on, Rakim. I want you to, uh, you know, have a great rest of your day, brother. And I look forward to seeing everything else that you're doing, my man.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Thank you for tuning into this episode. I truly hope something during this episode resonated with you. It is my hope that you know that no matter what you're dealing with or what you're going through, you don't have to suffer in silence, isolation, and shame. We all have struggles. We all have things that we are dealing with, and ignoring or avoiding what you're thinking and feeling and not allowing yourself to be vulnerable or express any internal hurt and pain doesn't make you more of a man. Please understand that. Also, please, share this episode. You never know what someone is going through and... Something in this episode may help. Remember, no matter what it is or how hard it is, that's not all there is. You don't have to stay stuck or struggling. Your power is in your choices. So what type of choices are you going to make today? Hey.
1: Hey. I'm here, my brother. You know I love you. Yes, you. yes, you are enough. I just want to be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, because you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man.